Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanne LaFleur. This is season four, episode 11. Today's episode is with Rebecca Lyons. Do you know her? I had the chance to sit down with her what feels like a lifetime ago, but it was right before the pandemic shut everything down and we couldn't see people in person and travel anymore. And uh, Rebecca Lyons, she wrote a book most recently. She's written a bunch of books, but it's called Rhythms of Renewal for Practical Rhythms to Establish in Your Life. And the reason I'm bringing you this episode now is because aren't we all needing some renewal? Just a lot of feelings of tiredness, drain, um, digital drain, all that stuff. So this conversation with Rebecca, I hope will be timely for you. Reminder to join us on the Digital Church Facebook group. We'd love to have you join this growing community where we're, um, anyone who's interested in digital church or just being uh, discipled in a digital age and how to do that with others, would love for you to join because we're talking about it and we're sharing solutions and we're building a community and connections in a meaningful way. So there's a link down below, but you can also uh, just search Digital Church in Facebook and you're going to find it on a WordMate Digital's group. Thanks so much to Compassion, of course, for being part of this podcast. And they're just really amazing people over there. I am reminded over and over in my interactions with the team at Compassion how they're just tirelessly working to support the needs of children and families around the world. And I'm really amazed by them and it's an honor to be part of the podcast with them. So if you haven't checked it out, I really would love for you to check out compassion.ca slash COVID today because uh, this pandemic thing is ongoing and there's so much work that can be done if we can support what's going on financially, then more work can be done. You know, they're distributing food kits and they're giving medical masks and they're creating and like building and sewing masks for people and they're delivering supplies of medicine and hygiene and and water and other resources. They're trying to encourage one another. They're even, I love this, they're even, you know, connecting over WhatsApp as communities and church communities all around the world. So uh, go to compassion.ca slash COVID. Links below. I would love for you to see what they're doing and get involved. Also, Wycliffe College, I have heard, I just was with uh, one of my professors from Wycliffe College because I went there myself. It's the Evangelical Graduate School of Theology at the University of Toronto. So I've heard that this fall is going to be the highest registration they've had maybe ever. Um, And I like to think it's because of you guys. I know a few of you are going to Wycliffe. You're taking courses. You're checking out how to do a master's or certificate or doctoral program. Maybe you're looking for just taking a course in the New Testament or church history or leadership or whatever you're looking for. It's affordable. It's flexible. Obviously, ton of options online. They've always done online, but more than ever, there's so much online now you can do. Go to Wycliffe wickliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital and you can check out all about that. All right, I'm diving in now with Rebecca Lyons. She and her husband Gabe uh, have four kids, two of them with Down syndrome and her work has been featured on Good Morning America and CNN, Huffington Post, Tennessee and Publishers Weekly. She and her husband live in Nashville, Tennessee and um, really they've been growing a ministry and a business together uh, for many years. Maybe you're familiar with Q or Q ideas that Gabe Lyons also has started to help Christians engage in culture. So that's all I'll say about that. Here is the conversation with Rebecca Lyons. Let's lean in together. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 4, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made 
Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Rebecca Lyons, welcome to We're Made Digital. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to chat with you because uh, you're right in the middle of, um, you know, talking about all things, how digital has affected your life and how you've made some shifts in that. So tell us, first of all, who are you? Because some people may not know that, and then we'll dive in. Sure. Uh, So I'm a mama and a wife, and I write books and I talk. (laughs) I then get to teach on those that (laughs) content, and I, I. Turns out I love teaching as well. And mm-hmm. honestly, my husband and I do a lot of our work together through Q Ideas. Yeah. And it's just this kind of TED style faith lens at culture and what is what is God doing in the world and how does the church wake up to all those things, the tensions of our time. Hmm. How do we get in the middle of that and not shrink back from it and isolate ourselves? And so right. we talk about those difficult conversations often at Q, but I I find for my kids who have three in high school, they want to know how does my faith make sense in our world today? Yeah. I want it to be real. Yeah. And so where did, I mean, let's start, since we're talking about it, let's, let's go, let's go towards Q for a second, because I think no one else is doing that Mm. uh, in the Christian context. I mean, you're saying it's like TED Talks, but it really is kind of its own thing. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, it's it's got a history to it, but what are you sort of leaning into now? What are the topics you think people need to, to talk about right well, now? Well, my husband's a futurist by okay. just, it, he, he can't not be. And see, I think there's like degrees in that now. I, I, I don't know if he has one, I but I've heard that it's he, a thing you can study. He doesn't, but it's where he lives. He's always like every morning, it's like, good morning, and here's five articles that I've already read on like where things are going in our culture. Um, globally, as well as um, as far as like North America, you yeah. know, kind of where we camp out because we have Q hosted around global cities in the U.S., um, but our home base is Nashville now. Yeah. But uh, but really, it's just about like how does our faith make sense in in a world where you know we have to know what the word, know the times, and you know in Scripture, know what to do, mm-hmm. know what to do with them. That's really what prof- the prophetic voices in the church do. They they don't shrink back from hard things, but then they go, okay, what is God inviting us into here on topics of gender, sexuality, technology, objectification of women, mm-hmm. you know, Israel Palestinian conflict, politics, Trump, you name it. Right? There's there's so much to be had that are that I believe uh, Gen Z is like. Don't stop talking about this. We right. we're happy. We're ready for this. Yeah. Um, if we're not getting answers from you, or at least having discussions with you, we're trying to figure it out on our own. So I think we can do a, a service to um, generationally to make sure we're inviting those conversations to happen all the time. Right. And and do you think in some ways it's because like is it that the church should be talking about like church on should be talking about this but they're not, so you've you've filling a void or is this stuff that really isn't this isn't the Sunday chat, this is something else? Well, there's been a lot of studies. <laughs> Gabe Gabe wrote his last last book, Good Faith with Dave Kinneman. So they always commission studies through Barna and studies show that this generation wants to talk about it, and yet most pastors don't want to talk about it. Hmm. And so there's a little disconnect there because um, part of it's just 
it really requires a lot of vulnerability, honesty, risk, because some of these things are evolving right in front of us. We don't know the implications of a, of a digital revolution, right? right? We don't have a generation full to see what that looks like 20 years or AI. Like we don't know where that goes fully. We can speculate. We don't know where global pandemic viruses go, but yeah. you know we have historic <laughs> markers. And so I think in general, it's all about what does faithfulness look like yeah. day by day by day? Yeah. How do we not avoid things, but then just go back to God and go like, obviously he's at the helm. He's equipping his church to be present as salt and light. And so we need to make sure that we're not ignoring that. Yeah. Well, and I think in some ways it's that piece around... Uh, the paycheck comes from these people, and if I share or evolve, evolve maybe isn't the right word, if if my opinion begins to change on some social issue or whatever, um, I'm going to lose all the people who just pay my... Li- so just, you know, it's, let's, let's just talk about Jesus and not talk about things that people are actually desperate to get answers on. Right. But yeah. Jesus never shrunk back from, as we know, in the way he ministered as a rabbi. He, he was the antagonist even in the church for, for that moment. And I think that's kind of what we're called to is, um, just being honest with even the things you don't have answers for, but at least being willing to acknowledge, like we're in this together and we are, we're digging in and, and, and I just think people appreciate that vulnerability. And I do, I say all this to say, I do think a lot more (laughs) churches are going there now. It just yeah. takes some time for yeah, people to kind of know where to even approach some things like yeah. this. Yeah. Well, you know, I, have you seen the movie The Two Popes? I have not, but I want to. Oh, I've heard gotta wonderful things. But there's this moment. So the point is there's a moment where the two popes are talking about a social issue. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the old pope says to the new pope, you've compromised. Mm-hmm. And the new pope says, I have not compromised. I've actually changed my mind. Wow. And this idea the of like I'm not bending to culture. I've actually been willing bending to culture on some issue. I actually have have been challenged in my thinking right. and have changed my mind on the issue. Right. And and there isn't a lot of permission for Christians to change their mind. Um, and maybe we don't always we don't always have to change our minds. Sometimes right. the thing is sometimes the thing. we need to broaden the way sometimes we get really narrow right. on right or wrong yeah. of a specific way. Like if you are for this, you must be against this. Um, And if you're for this or this is your position, I don't know, like no, no women in like, like a topic that's a little bit less social issue, hot button, like no women in leadership. Like sometimes people change their mind on that issue after more careful study. Yeah, it's it's, true. Yeah. And And that's iron sharpening iron. I mean, I really always want to be a lifelong learner. I want to stay curious and I... I want to be challenged because if I only am an echo chamber, you know, with people who see and think the exact same way that I am, then I'm not actually growing in empathy, growing in understanding, um, listening, learning. So how do you do that? I mean, I, you, you live and work, you're, you're the professional Christian world. Yeah. And like most of the, I would imagine, and maybe not if that's not true, I would imagine that most people you spend your time with are Christians. Yes. So how do you, how do you get out of the echo chamber? What, what are some ways, like, do you, is it about what you're reading or? Oh, for sure. What do you do? For sure. I'm reading so many books right now on the brain, the mind science, neuroscience, because I'm studying mental health from a lens of faith, but I actually think science and faith have to collide on this. Mm -hmm. You know, I do believe as a person of faith, if God made our bodies, he knows what we need and he uses all means necessary for healing. Like even understanding the brain, understanding trauma, understanding. So for me, that's kind of my lane, but I think of a lot of different areas like that though. I I find I have, I lived in Manhattan, so I had a lot of non-believing friends 
who were like, you love Jesus and you moved here. Tell me more. And this is weird, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden I found my faith becoming more vibrant, even in Manhattan, because it was, everyone was just kind of owning where they were. Nobody was pretending to be a Christian or not. It's like, mm. if you were, you you were like, well, this is why. No, you meant it. it yeah, you meant it. It wasn't a social it. Christianity. Oh, no. There. Yeah. So there was a lot more fervor and passion if, if you were a Christian, because you're just like, well, I, I am because God did this in my life and mm. I kind of realized I can't live without him. And then if someone respectfully disagrees, you're like, that's cool. That's what's awesome about God is he doesn't ever fo- force or, co- or coerce. Yeah. Like yeah. he's, he's great with you kind of not being unsure with where you are right now with him. Like he's not going to pressure you into that, but this is what I've experienced. Yeah. And I find that even a lot of mainstream media I've done around this last book, I've done, you know, the Today Show, I've done um, Good Morning America, like just normal, like normal, just mainstream normal culture. TV. Yeah. And and I found that they're like, no, tell us a little bit more. Mm. Like how how did God impact your mental health journey? Mm. We want to hear. We're curious because yeah. there's a lot of DIY spirituality out there on Twitter, right? Like everyone's oh, yeah. trying to find some version of this other power. We all at some point come to where we're like, I'm tired of trying to. There's got to be something beyond me. Yeah. I, you know, I just I just was talking to a mom yesterday whose 18-year-old son is like a social influencer who was like the leader of the worship band at church. And six months later, because he's just a leader, whichever direction he's pointing it, he's now got like tens of thousands of followers and he's an astrologist. Mm. So he's he's redirected his, you know, mm-hmm. but he, there, mm-hmm. there's this idea that there's something out there mm-hmm. and this is sort of the direction he's running down right, right. now. But people, people are, are longing for and yeah. looking for some sort of other. Yeah. So, I mean, it's actually on my list of, of things I would see if I would ask you about. I just, I like asking this question just because it, it brings out something. Why why do you follow Jesus? Oh, that's so good. Tell me about that. I would say growing up, it's because my parents led me in that way. Uh. But I, I so I, I'm glad that I got to witness that. There were times where it felt a little um, legalistic and rule-ish, right? Because I think yeah. sometimes for so many of us, like when religion gets in the way, it feels very much of like doing the right thing and looking the right way and having the right posture. But God only cares about the heart. And so I would say once my faith became my own is when it happens for a lot of kids. It's when they head off to college. It it either becomes their own or they're just out, right? Because it no longer is dependent on family or upbringing. And I, I was fortunate enough to have just some encounters with God through college. I had some heartbreak, broke off an engagement of five months and God got loud for me in that season of pain wow. and loss. And um, and then then our firstborn son with Down syndrome in my 20s, God was loud in that voice of pain as well. And then a decade later when we moved to New York, I had panic disorder and anxiety mm-hmm. and depression, and God was near. And I, I find that God now has always been my rescue. There's been uh, whenever I get to the end of myself, I realize like, oh, he has always been here all along. He doesn't force himself on me, but he's like, hey, I I adore you. And sometimes you run so hard to prove something that, that I already say is true mm. about you. You don't need to earn my love. And I don't know why somewhere in my upbringing, I, I, I bought the lie that I wasn't worthy of love unless I earned it. And I just put that on God. 
And so the undoing of that, I would say the performance mentality, um, it's been almost a 20 year unraveling of that to where God's like, Hey, I don't need your performance. I just want your presence. Like I want to be near you and with you and I want to comfort you and I want us to have communion. And so I feel more like it's like a cadence of friendship. I kind of do these morning pages every morning where it's just like an ongoing dialogue with God. It's like a journal. Entry. Do you do have um, like a morning like uh-huh. routine? Oh yeah. yeah I okay. write about that in my new book called Morning Routine yeah. just because it's it's been such a stabilizing force in my life of just processing yeah. high, low and all in between. And God has just shown me like, hey, here's the thread that I've been pulling this whole mm. time. And I, and when you write it down, you're able to look back and remember. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this then, that rhythms of renewal. Why did you write the book? I wrote it because I needed it. I, mm. I think you write something that you, that you have to learn for yourself usually. Like every book has been kind of the next step of, this is my third book. So it's like the next step of what I needed to actually have freedom in a specific area. And so for me, having such a a decade long history of mental illness with anxiety, depression, or panic attacks, panic disorder, God was like, Hey, if you want to reestablish your life, you're going to have to have these rhythms every single day in your life. This is so these four rhythms, I just started living out over the years. And because you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't write unless you've lived. Yeah. I, I, I firmly believe that. Like I, I take gaps between each book because I, I want to know like, God, what are you, what are you wanting to transform in me so that it's true? Right. Not just like, this is what I've heard. And this sounds like a good topic because everyone's talking about it. But like, this has been so transformative for me. I can't, I'm a chronic oversharer, so I can't shut up about it. And then it usually becomes a book. So that's, that's what it was. Well, and a part of this for you, I mean, now it's, it's more trendy to talk about trendy and in maybe in the, in the right ways to talk about mental health, talk about mental illness, anxiety, depression. It's in the water. Everyone's sort of talking about it right now. And some of it's, you know, these screens play a huge part in it. So what have you been learning and practicing in your life um, around screens and digital and social media? Mm-hmm. And I, you took it like a big step back for a while. Like, can I did. you tell us about that? Sure, yeah. So the four rhythms are rest, restore, connect, and create. The first two are input rhythms, rest and restore, and the last two are output. So what I find that 77% of society has physical symptoms of stress right now, just in the American Institute of Stress. So that means almost four out of five of us are spinning out. And part of it is a digital revolution, an industrial revolution that told us that machines had to always be on for productivity and for efficiency. The problem is we're not machines, we're humans, but we carry machines that tell us that we need to always be on. So we have lost the art of rhythm, that circadian rhythm of rest. So, so in my first rhythm of rest, it's all about we are spinning out because we're so exhausted. Like everyone just wants to take a nap, but we never would give ourselves permission to do that <laughs> um, because it, we might miss out or we might like lose income or we might, it might require risk and, and what, you know, the balls might drop and we can't imagine that. So we just keep hustling. Yeah. So tech detox is my second chapter. And I got to that place two years ago. My dad died in April and I started feeling like that, that whisper of depression coming back. And I was familiar with it. It had been seven years, but I knew what it was. You knew the signs of it. Yeah. And I was, I just remember thinking, I don't want to hemorrhage online. Um, this, I want to honor this loss and I want to grieve appropriately and fully so that I can heal. Yeah. And so I took three months off that summer 
and I had so much time back in my life. <laughs> like I started sleeping better at but night. But imagine at first, you're oh, like, what do yeah. I do? Well, here's the thing. God kind of prompted me, nudged me to go off of it for Lent. And I was hmm. like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad days, died yeah. during Lent. Um. And I, I was like hit with a wall of grief. Like it took me, it flattened me sideways. Mm. And so then May came around and it was like not going anywhere. And so by June, I woke up one day, probably the second week of June. And God basically was like, if you don't stop today, you are being like willingly disobedient and you know it. Like I knew it. Like it was like it burned, like stop now, like make a hard stop. And in some ways it's what repentance is, right? Repentance means to make a hard stop saying, I will no longer act in the way that I've been acting. I will make an about face. And I basically needed to repent of my addiction to social media because Mm -hmm. if it meant that much that I could disobey, like not one, but two, but three times, it was an idol. Wow. And so I just had to call it what it was. It was stealing because that's what idols do. Yeah. They, well, this this word repentance, I have not heard repentance associated with social media before. This is, this is, this is good. Well, because see here, the thing, social media is idolatry. Yeah. If it comes, because an idol is anything that comes between you and God. So if, if you're scrolling more than you're communing with God, which there's a strong chance based on data. <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know my true. life. Uh, it's not you. I'm talking about like the, the metaphorical you, whoever's listening, you yeah, know who you real. are. It's real. I, Cause it was me for sure. I was finding my worth in my identity yeah. in this social platform, which clearly is idolatry, but I wouldn't have called it that. But if you're in, see idols promise everything and deliver nothing. And they eventually ask you to sacrifice your children. And that's what was happening for me. My kids were kind of losing a mom that was present. Um, She was always distracted, never kind of making eye contact with them, just kind of running and spinning all the plates. And I was like, this is not, this is not who I am. I remember my husband even at one point going like, I feel like we're losing you. And really what that meant was we're losing the vibrance and the vitality you offer when you're fully present. Mm. Like you bring life into the room when you're fully engaged. But when you're distracted or you're, you're kind of your eyes go side, you're like looking at your gaze is fixed somewhere else because of some need for worth or approval. An escapism. Yeah. yeah. Numbing out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, I had, I had to write about it. I got real honest about that in, in this examine and confess chapter and the tech detox chapter. Cause it all kind of coincided with my work and my motherhood over this last decade. And yeah, there was a lot of repentance there. And the beauty of repentance is the cleansing happens immediately. The forgiveness is there and it's readily available and the restoration God restores what's been stolen. Like I'm in a better relationship with my kids now than I have been in the last six years. Wow. And it's it's back. Like God's brought it back. Well, and you've added to your family. Yeah. And not only that, we're like, let's bring more. <laughs> <laughs> let's do more. This is going well. Let's do yeah. more of it. And was I don't know on the timeline where that fit in um, to the story, but Yeah. It but. was on the tail end of me. It was it really was. It was like all in the same year that we knew about her and we were like, what do we need to do for our family to get healthy for her? Like how how will we be worthy of her? Wow. Right. She was abandoned at um a hospital at four months. She'd been an orphanage for five years and we didn't know her name is we named her her name was Joy and um she had Down syndrome and that's kind of all we knew. 
And yet we knew like we can't bring her into anything that's not whole, right? Like a family that she can trust and count on. And we had a lot of like get your house in order kind of thing. Mm. And I, I think Gabe and I deep dived into our marriage even. We did several retreats. We um, lots of like counseling with our kids even. Like I, I just think it's kind of like the, the problem with like just letting things like go and just dusting it under the rug is you never really have the harder conversations where pe- where wounds or hurts are able to be surfaced. Right. And some homes, those things are just avoided or stuffed because people want to keep the peace. But then there's really no freedom or healing that comes from that. Right. And I just was like, I don't, I don't want to bring joy into that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make sure we've all kind of aired our junk so God can heal. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be set us it's free. It's going to be hard either way. Like, it's going to be a yeah. hard journey. So, like, let's get rid of this Yeah, junk. you might as well let it yeah. go, right? Wow. Wow. So, it's never too late. Like, we'd been married 20 years, and we were like, now we're at 22. And I can honestly say, like, this year's the best year we've ever had. Like, it keeps getting better because we have had to do the work and get honest. And God's been so present in that vulnerability. Wow. I'm aware that um, uh, we need to wrap up our time together, but um, you know, this age of anxiety that we live in. Just as a last question, you know, what would you speak to people uh, today? I mean, we want people to read your book. We want people to connect with you online, and mm-hmm. we're going to get some show notes to make sure that people can can find you and find your stuff. But you know, what what would be just like you know, people are stressed and people are depressed and people are anxious and people are addicted. Yeah, What's you know, your word to them. Well. It goes back to the this loop, right? It's this, um, the lies that we have chosen. The only power he has over us are the lies we choose to believe. And the problem is we believe him once, then we believe him again and again. And over time, it just seems like it is what it is. It is no longer a lie. It is like reality because in some way we've made agreement and we're like, I will always be anxious. Mm-hmm. I can't step foot in these certain environments. I will always be sick. This is just the way it is for me. And so the more we kind of just make room for it and just accept it as normal and and really despair is when we believe we will never actually change. So I believe despair starts to settle in and it becomes this paralysis for the church because we're like, well, I haven't seen anything otherwise for a long time. And so I would just encourage you to go like, God, would you show me maybe the root of where this began and why? Like maybe the first memory of being really anxious or really sad because there's a strong chance it's connected with a wound that became a lie. And, and the lie was then I'm not safe or there is never enough or I will always be alone, right? Whatever that lie is usually is connected to a wound. And if we can invite God into that place of pain, we're going to say, help me um, rewrite history with that pain. Like show me your nearness and your presence Mm -hmm. there. Give me grace and healing there. Give me forgiveness for the person. Most trauma is in the bounds of relationship. So that means someone else was impacted by it too. Um, And then just say, can you help me like reestablish a healing journey. Yeah. And that's what the rhythms of renewal are. I needed a healing journey. I knew transformation happens one small step at a time, but it began with breaking agreement to like, this is my life. It will never change. And once I did, I needed a plan. And these rhythms really were a way of living that out so that over time, a new way of living gave me a new imagination for what healing is. Yeah. 
And I think that's available to all of us. Right. We just have to take the proactive step. Yeah. Courage. Yeah, girl. They, they need the courage to do so. I love it. Like your name, lion. They need some, I know it's spelled different. We need some, <laughs> we need some of that lion-hearted courage to yeah. face this pain and this fear and, mm-hmm. and get some healing. Rebecca, thank you so much for your thank time. You. Um, everyone, you're going to find in the show notes all kind of stuff about how to find her on the internet. I mean, because she is back on the internet. <laughs> I and, am. I uh, didn't stay off forever. <laughs> but you know what? I never re-entered the same. Huh. It doesn't have a hold on me. Wow. I don't need people's approval like I used to at all. I, in fact, sometimes have to be like, I should probably go on and check and see what people are doing because I care about what readers ask and sometimes I get DMs or whatever. But it is, it is not the priority over my family, and I'm praising God for that. Wow, awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for your work, your ministry. It's a delight. Thank you so much. I'm excited for you guys. Thanks so much to Rebecca for giving me a bit of her time. Uh, it was great to connect with her again. I actually had interviewed her on a podcast that uh, never saw the light of day for a previous podcast that I tried to start a few years ago. So I love that we were able to kind of reboot that together and have a whole different conversation. Next up, there's going to be a bonus episode. Jamie McIntosh, he's the executive director of Compassion Canada, or one of the executive directors, and he is going to be talking to us about what's going on in the world with the pandemic. I don't want you to tune out for this. This guy uh, knows what's going on on the ground. Um, It's the stories that we're not hearing enough about. Uh, And uh, we're going to get back into the regularly scheduled program. Uh, We've got Darren Roundson coming up. He's a pastor of Garden Church in Southern California and founder of something called Digital Church. Sound familiar? But uh, all to say, I want you to lean into this conversation with Jamie McIntosh from Compassion because uh, there's so much going on that we haven't heard in the news and you're going to love it. All right. Thanks to Compassion and Wycliffe, of course, for partnering on this podcast. Couldn't do it without them, truly. And um, it's very meaningful to have these relationships. It's not just um, a sponsorship or financial relationship. It really is a partnership. I love how you guys are engaging with these organizations. Compassion.ca slash COVID and WycliffeCollege.ca slash WordMadeDigital where you can check out how to get involved, sign up for the things, learn the things. And hey, speaking of learning, see you in the Digital Church Facebook group. Would love you to join us. See you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate it, and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.